0: Amen, amen. (coughs) All right, you guys can be seated. So uh, so here we go. This is going to be corny, but roll with me. Come on. So uh, here we go. So in the Bible, people are represented by two separate yet equally loved groups, the people who have responded to an encounter with God in the affirmative, and the people who God is still desperately pursuing. These are their stories, right? So I don't know Law & Order fans here, right? You got anybody? There we go. I even got the sound going a little bit. So, uh, So yeah, whenever we read a story in the Bible, I want to let you know that these are real people. These are real events that happened. These are not made up. These aren't just to convey a moral. Moral to the story, these are actual experiences that people had, right? This is, this is how people encountered God. And, and what's cool for us is these just aren't arbitrary stories, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit selected these stories, inspired this text to be written down For your and my benefit, right? That we would be encouraged by it, that we would see the endurance uh, of people, that we would have hope, that we would see that God fulfilled his promises then and continues to do that today. So that's one of the things that when we read the Bible, even though you'll hear preachers and even myself kind of pull different points from the text or moral the story things, I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that these are real People that had these experiences. All right, this is an actual event. So, so today uh, we're going just on a little standalone sermon. We're talking about this guy named Naaman. Naaman, uh, I I guess is how you pronounce that. I was joking with some of the teens earlier. I was like, actually, I should just turn this into like an anti-drug campaign. And instead of saying no to drugs, you should just say, Nah, man, Nah, man, I'm good, (laughs) right? Nah, man. Uh, Also, yeah, don't do drugs. But that's not what the sermon's about today. but anyways, if you're interested in a Bible, uh, I think we're on page 222 of our blue Bibles. Looks like Joshua is willing to grab us a Bible if you want one. Just raise your hand. It's our gift to you. You can follow along. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, the t- same translation that I'll be reading from today. It's not the old English that maybe you've read before. But uh, here we are in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, there's a whole bunch of cool stories in the Bible, actual events that happen, and we're going to take a look at this, this guy named Naaman. All right, so here we go. So follow along. First, uh, 2 Kings 5, verse 1. It says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. So when you hear this introduction to this guy, Actual dude, but we'll call him a character for right now When you hear this introduction, you might think this guy's gonna be the hero of the story Right. This guy's got it going for him, right? This guy's mighty. He's powerful. He's got great reputation He's got good recommendations, right? He's got the skill set. He's got the victories, right? You might think this guy's got it going on. He's got his life together, right? I mean, he's probably the most celebrated individual in his nation But check out what the Bible says as it finishes this verse Right? It says, But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. What's interesting about Naaman is though on the outside he had uh, great admiration. He looked like his life was together, yet under his armor he was suffering a secret wound. Right? That Naaman had a disease that was incurable. Right? He had this private weakness that perhaps his soldiers and maybe his king did not know of. Write that name and write, he looks great when he's got his, his armor on, when he's got the king's banner and his army at his back. But when he goes home and he takes that armor off, his body is decaying and falling apart. And I want to let you know that sometimes church can become a community where people focus just on their outward appearance. Right? People will show up at church wearing their, you know, their Sunday best. I, I guess this is the best I had today. Right? People will show up with their Sunday best and you know, maybe they'll even have just had a fight with their spouse on the ride here and then, you know, all right, whatever, and then like smiles, you know, you know hey, hey. You, know, you were just like spanking your kid or something in the parking lot and it's like, you better behave in church, you know, like we try to like put it all together. We try to make it look like our lives are, are perfect, right? Uh, we try to make it look like we're good on the outside. But yet in reality, we in in our church, none of us are perfect people. So so I want to let you know you are welcome here. We are all people that have need of a Savior. We are all broken and, and have sin that we're struggling through. But the difference is that we have this Savior that loves us and has made forgiveness available for us. And he's continuing to work on us, right? He's the one that started the work in us and he's going to be faithful to bring it through to to completion. So you don't have to feel like your life is together. That's see that's my second son right there. He's screaming in the nursery. It's okay. Like we're not going to put undue pressure on pastor's kids either to make like the pastor's family look good here, right? We are people. We are people here, right? And 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 so church can be like that. Sometimes even Facebook can be like that. Where what you see when you compare your life to someone else's is you're just seeing the highlight reel. Right? You're just seeing like, the good things going on in their life, and you're like, man, why can't I have that? Right? Why isn't my life like that? Why, why aren't I in a new relationship? Why, you know, why, why is this going on? Why don't I have a house? Why don't I have this car? Why don't I have this new job? Why isn't everything working together for me? But yet we're comparing our lives to just the highlight reel of someone else, right? And it's, it's, what's happening on the outside is not the significant thing, because right? Whether you're a believer, no matter how good your life looks together, if you're going home and you're broken with sin, right? If there's a secret sin in your life that is plaguing you or bringing harm to your, your life, your marriage, your kids, right? Like that's something you got to work on, right? That's, it's, we don't want you to just come here and go home and feel happy when you're still wounded. You're still suffering with a secret sin or a secret wound, or there's people here that might have a deep grief that they're not sharing, right, that no one else knows about, right, that they go home and they're bearing this burden on their own, this loss that they've suffered, and, and yet God is one who wants to comfort them And the way he gives comfort, because the Bible says he's the God of all comfort, is he does it through people, right? He says that you are to comfort others with the same comfort that he has given you. Right, that's God's intent. So we are a church family where we're not afraid to show our imperfections. I mean, I've kind of borne my past from even up here on the pulpit, where I'm not ashamed to talk about that because I want you to know that we are real. We're not going to put ourselves on pedestals, right? We're not going to make ourselves look good because that's not going to be a true and genuine solution for our valley anyway, right? We're not here to just boast in our own accomplishments, right? So with, with Naaman, we see this guy. Who looks good on the outside, who's got the, the accommodation, right? He's got the glory. He's got all of this stuff, but yet at home, he's a broken man who's dying of a disease. He, there's no cure for. There's still no cure for this disease today, right? That, that he's, he's lost. He's hopeless. His life is falling apart. His body is literally falling apart, right? And, and he still has to go to battle with, with this going on. So check out the second person we see, <coughs> verse two. At this time the Aramean raiders, that's Naaman's army, right, had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So you might think this girl sounds like, you know, she's the damsel in distress, right? She's this young girl in a society of masculinity and violence, right? That she's lost all this stuff that, I mean, comparing these two characters, we see this mighty Naaman and this person who's being exploited, right we see this guy who's got his whole life together and this this girl who's just been taken from her friends and family some of them likely murdered and killed right all sorts of things probably happened and now she's she's taken away from her family and forced to serve this general's wife now think about how this girl might feel right i mean like there's only two i guess two and a half verses in the bible that mentions this girl this girl we never know her name But think about what she might be experiencing, right? I mean, probably a degree of grief for the loss that she suffered, missing her home, right? Missing her family, whoever has been killed, right? Probably a degree of bitterness, not knowing why this has been the lot in life that she got. And I would imagine even an amount of, of anger for the very man whose household she is now living in, right? This is the guy who led his army, to take my village and took me away from all the people that I loved, right? I mean, like, you'd, you'd imagine those would be just very natural, plain emotions that this girl experiences, right? And comparing her to Naaman, she seems, right, like she's going to be the one that needs saving. But check out verse 3. This is, this is completely amazing. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet." in samaria he would heal him of his leprosy now what i think is interesting is that this girl like i said this is all we know of her this is it this is it this is, That was the last little snippet we hear about her. that that's the that's her biography in the bible she wasn't doing this she wasn't saying this for the pub, 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 yeah, publicity there we go i got it i got it just roll with me today Right so she wasn't doing this right. She wasn't uh the kind of person that was like, you know Making a video or taking a picture of herself giving the hamburger to the homeless person on the street Right. She wasn't doing this thinking that she was going to get credit for it She did not know that she was going to be written about in the bible preserved for history for us to read about her this morning She she could have just secretly held on to this bitterness She could have just secretly celebrated the fact that her master was sick Right? And just rejoiced in the fact that his life was falling apart like, yeah, he deserves it. Right? But yet instead, she, she chooses compassion. She chooses to, to show grace and mercy. Right? She chooses to, to desire to see him, her enemy, find healing. Right? And she, just so you're aware, she's not setting him up for a trap. Like, yeah, yeah, you need to go to Israel and then, bam, ambush. Right? No, no, no. This isn't, this isn't a trap. Right? So, so, yeah, so she reaches out and wants to see her enemy healed, right? She didn't do that for the credit, but she did it. And I just want to point out that simple decisions like that can have a huge impact on the world, right? They can have a huge impact in the lives of individuals, but also in the light of eternity, they can change the direction of your life and those around you right? That that it was her choice. If she never said anything, that would be the end of the story. Naaman would have been some general we probably never would have heard of, and he would have died of leprosy, right? That's probably all that would have happened. But yet, she made a choice that she reached out to show love to someone who had only up to this point been her enemy. I mean, maybe he was somewhat of a nice guy to work for, I don't know. But as far as we know right now, she was not treated well up to this point. So, check out what Naaman's response is, verse 4. So, Naaman... Now goes to his king, the king that likes Naaman and, sa- and told the king what the young girl from Israel had said And here's what the king tells him He says, go and visit that prophet Right? The king of Aram told him I will send a letter of introduction for you To take to the king of Israel So Naaman started out carrying as gifts Check this out 750 pounds of silver that, That's a lot I imagine that'd be hard to carry Right, okay 150 pounds of gold and ten sets of clothing, which I think is interesting Wow, like comparatively like I think like ten sets of clothing or you know Isn't even worth mentioning when you're mentioning that stuff, but apparently that was a value in this culture, right? Uh, and then and the, 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 they send the letter that the king of israel said this it said with this letter. I present my servant naaman I want you to heal him Of leprosy and he brings this letter to the king of israel not to the prophet That was in israel or samaria right like so so he goes to this other king with this letter and now think about you as this king receiving this letter from a general written by a king who is your enemy okay so check this out this is what the king of israel he's not happy so when the king of israel read the letter he tore his clothes in dismay and said this man sends me a leper to heal am i god that i can give life and take it away Right? He says, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. So consider this new character we see. A guy who actually existed. Historical event, right? Where he gets this letter and now he feels like he's trapped. He's been tasked with an impossibility. Right? He's, it's been requested of him. He's like, wait a minute. How am I going to do this? I cannot do this. Like, he's grieved because he knows that this is likely going to mean war. And he's, he's not excited about that, right? He's like, this guy's just making an excuse to pick a fight with me. This isn't fair. But I want to point out that in your and my life, God will ask you to do things that are impossible for you. And he's not expecting you to do what only he can do, but God is expecting you to be willing to yield to let him work through you. Right, that God is one who will task you with the impossible, all right what what is impossible with man is possible with God is what Jesus said all right so God wants to work through you, right He wants to work through you, and it 's not someone uh, he 's not just looking for those who are talented he 's not, right, right? not just looking for those who are i don 't know good looking right he 's not just looking for those who right who have it all together he's, He just wants to use. Anybody who's willing to yield to him right who's willing to to let him work through them Right, so so god's interested in using all of us if we would be willing And when we encounter something like that when we encounter an impossible task that god might ask us To do right sometimes right our response might be like this guy We we might just grieve about it. Like I can't do this. What why is my life happening like this? I can't control these circumstances. What am I supposed to do here? or we might just kind of lower the bar, right? Like instead of like, you know, trying to do what you feel God's led you to do, you might just aim for less uh, or or aim for failure. I mean, as a math teacher, I would frequently see it that when a student would maybe encounter what they felt was the limit of their ability or or that learning a new concept was no longer easy, they would sometimes just pretend like they weren't trying anymore like they would just be like ah, psh, no like I'm, I don't want to learn what am I going to use right? psh, like I don't I'm not interested in this I wasn't even trying guys right like and then like they'll just try to shut down because it protects them it won't allow them to be exposed of their weakness it won't allow right the possibility of them having to admit to themselves even a failure right so when God asks us to do something I'd ask of you don't lower the bar, right? Don't aim for less. Don't aim for failure intentionally. So you don't have to take the blame that here at our church, we, we will do things that might have a chance of failure. We're not, we're not out to avoid failure to keep ourselves looking good on the outside. Like I was saying earlier, Right? We will take on tasks that we feel God would be passionate about, that we feel God is leading us to do, even when they have a great chance of failure, because it's in those situations that God would be glorified and we would just be, it wasn't us. Surely we didn't do it, right? But we don't want to limit God in his capacity or in, in his ability, right? And we don't want to ignore the great need in our world and in, in our valley for Jesus, Right? We don't want to, to limit God's ability to reach them. We don't want to diminish the love that he has for them. So like, hey, all right, let's do this. Let's go all out. Let's go all out. Let's do this because this is going to be worth it. It, it doesn't matter if we might have experiences of failure here and there, but we're going to keep trucking to do what God calls us to do. Right? Let's just make this happen. Let's do it. Right? So I just want to point out that, yeah, God will ask you to do impossible things, but he is interested in doing them through you. Right? God's not just looking for superstar, all-star team players right here. He's looking for everybody to work through. So let's, let's check this out. So the king of Israel, he's, he's grieved, he's upset, he tore his clothes, and, and now we hear from the prophet, verse 8. But when Elisha The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet in Israel. So Naaman went. And check out what he's got. With his horses and his chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. So imagine like at your house suddenly like, you know, a whole little caravan of people. Right, seven hundred fifty pounds of silver, one hundred fifty pounds of gold, ten, ten outfits, I guess. Right, right. They show up, and there's chariots, and there's horses, and like they're waiting at your door. And check out what ha- I mean. Like you'd think, if someone of such a uh, fame had showed up at your door, you you know you'd probably be like, oh wow. All right, kids. Like let's get ready. Like all right, <clears throat> all right. There we go. Hello, you know, you'd think like you'd want to like try to impress them or like show them, you know hospitality or something But but check what happens But elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message Uh, Go and wash yourself seven times in the jordan river Uh, Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy Right, so so that'd be like if someone came knocking on my door and i'm like Everett, just go tell them to like go away and do something Right? Like they'd be like, why didn't Brian answer the door? Like, doesn't he know who I am? Like, I don't understand what he sent his kid to like send me away. What is he like in the bathroom or something? Like what's, why can't I talk to Brian? Like, what's the problem here? Right? Like what's going on? I'm important. Shouldn't I be addressed by, by the person who's in, you know, in the house? Like, why, why did he send this messenger? And and so, so as you might expect someone who, uh, is so esteemed by society, Naaman is upset about this. Because he feels like he's just been, you know, sent away and Elisha the prophet didn't even come to talk to him. So check this out. But Naaman, verse 11, became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Don't I deserve that? I mean, look, I've got my whole caravan here. Is he going to embarrass me in front of all my friends? Right, really? Like I, I went, I traveled this whole way and this is how he treats me? And then and then right so he's really the root of his thing is he's offended And then and then he kind of like tries to justify it He says well, I expected him to at least like wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the lord His god and and heal me right like can't you like do like You know put some show to it or something like can't you like do something cool like I don't know Right, that's what he expected And then he's he's going on with his rant. We really know it's just because he's offended But you know now he's starting to find some reasons to justify his anger And he says, Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, I guess, better than the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away uh, and went away in his rage. So I just want to highlight a couple things here. So when we encounter God, do we expect God to treat us with a certain degree of preference? Right? Do we expect God to, to treat us with a certain degree of honor? Right, that you know, like, hey, you better not embarrass me, God. You got to make me look good, right? Or or you got to treat me a certain way, you know? Or God, you're sure lucky I showed up at church today. Like, like how how do how do we expect God to treat us? Because I want to point out, maybe God has not met your expectations, right? Because it's hard to exaggerate how good and loving and abundant that God is, but maybe your expectations require you to kind of be the one in charge of the situation and that you'll be disappointed when you encounter god all right so so maybe maybe god has had a different plan for your life than you hoped or maybe the circumstances of your life are different than what you'd expect god would allow in your life right but but we don't deserve any sort of preferential treatment when we come to god or or maybe because this is a reality maybe you're upset at god Because of the way his followers have presented him to you That's a that's a real fact right there, right? Maybe you're upset like hey like those christians don't seem very loving Those people aren't very welcoming Right. I thought they talk about jesus. Why why are they living their life this way? Those those people have their own sin Why should I even engage with them? Why should I come to a community where these christians are gathering? I don't get it Right, those, those are some legitimate concerns Just so you're aware jesus was also one who was upset about hypocrisy, but like I said earlier christians are not Perfect by any means, right? We're just we're just forgiven people and we just happen to find found the one who forgives us So we'd love for you to be forgiven too. That'd be great But yeah, so, so don't I guess Don't judge god by the way that his kids might act all right, or it's possible that maybe someone's misrepresented god to you in some capacity It's a possibility Right, but it's worth kind of sorting out those misunderstandings. It's worth figuring out who god really is because I assure you he is worth discovering God is one who wants to be found by you Right that, that god has gone kind of out of his way. He left heaven to live a perfect life dying a cross so that we could be free It's worth at least kind of finding out what he had to say about himself so Or how about this, this idea? Elisha had his messenger tell Naaman kind of what to do, and he refused to do it. Do we, because I know we're all in this boat, me too, right? Do we only obey God when he fits neatly within our expectations, right? When it's according to our terms, right? Would we only obey God when it's like, well, I don't, I don't think I want to do that God, but if we do it my way and like, you can just approve it my way that that that, that's fine. Right. But do we only obey God when, right. When it, he happens to agree with us, right. Are we offended that God would do ask us to do anything that's maybe against our, our desire, our will, our nature, whatever it might be. Are we offended at that, right. Are we only going to do the things that God says in the Bible or God calls us to do that we already agree with? Because that's what Naaman was doing, right? He turned away in a rage. So I want to point out, don't let your offense, right? Don't let your preference, don't let your expectations of God be a stumbling block that you would walk away and miss out on the blessing that God has for you, right? God's like desiring, we talked about it last week, that God desires to give good gifts to us. And we're the only ones that stand in the way of that. And in the case of Naaman, his pride was the only thing that stood in the way of that blessing that God wanted to give him. And check this out. So, verse 13. So, (coughs) now his officers speak up, some of his subordinates. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should uh, certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured, right? If, if the prophet said, go do this hard thing that will make you look good, you would have done that, right? If he said, go conquer this city, defeat this army, climb that mountain, right? You'd have been like, yeah, let's do this, boys. Like, we'll show them how it's done, right? Like, if it makes us look good, we would have done it. If, it. if it looked hard enough, if we could get credit somehow, you would have done it. And his officers, these guys, I, mean, I don't know if they were just like, man, like, this guy's going to just complain about his leprosy for the rest of the time we're working for. I don't know what they were upset at, like, or if they genuinely loved him. I assume they did, right? But they were like, hey, listen, listen, don't walk away right now. Like, we're so close. We, we already got here. We took the whole caravan with us. Let's, let's at least find out what happens, right? Let's see. I mean, that's what he said, and supposedly he's a prophet of God. Like, supposedly this is what God wants you to do. So why not try? Why not... Try and so so this is what my takeaway would be is we as followers of jesus Let's not only do the things that appear important to us Or only do the things that will make us look important Right, let's let's not just ignore the things that would be easy Or would be beneath us or would require us to to humble ourselves Let's not only do the things that make us look good Right? Because there are blessings that God has for us that may be found, and I will say are found, through our being humbled. Right? Through our being humbled. Right? Or, or the fact that Naaman, right, he, I mean, he actually, up to this point, the, the three groups of people that were trying to help him. Notice it was this young servant girl. Right? It was Elisha's messenger. And now it's his subordinates that these people that maybe he would not have had esteem for, God's blessing was found by his listening to people that he was more important than is probably what he would think. That there are blessings that God has for you that will be found in people that are different than you, right? That maybe you don't think are all that important. But like I said, God in his Holy Spirit wants to work through believers all over the place, that might be different, that you might think you're a little bit more important than, right? I mean, you think like, well, I mean, I'm not like that kind of person or I'm, you know, I'm better than this or my sins aren't quite like that. So, you know, but, but God has a blessing for you. That might mean you listening to the wisdom of someone that you think you're more important than, right? Isn't that, isn't that interesting that the heroes of this story were not Naaman, but it was the servant girl, right? It was the messenger, and his subordinates Those are the heroes of the story I think that's that's intriguing Right and, and if you, if you're someone who has maybe a lower self-esteem Or you think you're quirky or you think you're a nerd or you can't you know, you don't have the charisma or whatever I want to point out that god is interested in using you too Right, it's not just about how we judge other people, but also maybe you've already judged yourself of like no, I don't think No, god's not interested in using me right now. He's he's You know got the wrong address like I don't think he's interested in using me And I just want to point out that throughout the bible god uses people who are viewed as weak Right go and read in the book of judges look up the guy named gideon He's one of my favorite dudes in the bible where when god shows up. He calls him. He's like hey mighty warrior and At the time he's actually hiding like in a barrel essentially a wine press From the enemies and he's like, you know I think he was making bread or something like that or grain and he's hiding in there and he's like, wait a minute I'm the mighty warrior I'm like the coward that's hiding in the in a bucket right now And and he tells god he's like god I think you're confused because of all of the tribes of israel mine is the smallest and in my tribe My family is the least and i'm the youngest in my family. I think you're confused Why would you call me mighty warrior? Right that doesn't make sense to me But I want to point out that God frequently uses broken people, weak people, right, imperfect people. That's the kind of person that God's looking for. So don't count yourself out. Step out as God leads you to, to be a blessing to the people around you. right? That if God wants to empower you with a gift or with authority or responsibility, whatever it might be, don't count yourself out. Because God wants to use you. This is a a verse... Philippians written by the apostle Paul Because notice that that naaman ended up having to humble himself In order to receive this blessing, right? It says this philippians 2 3 and 4 Don't be selfish All right, just good advice right there. You can take that one. That's freebie Don't try to impress others Right, it's not about kind of this outward appearance thing making yourself look good, right not Being being afraid of someone finding out what you're really like Right Be humble and then I like this part right here. This, this one's the hard part. Thinking of others as better than yourself. No, notice what that didn't say. Let me, let me just so we kind of recognize the weight of that sentence. It didn't say treat others as good as yourself. That, that's, this is like beyond just, you know, the golden rule thing of treat others as you'd like to be treated. It didn't say that. It didn't even say treat others better than yourself. It said to think Of others as better than yourself. That's hard, because I don't. I'm not impressed with any of you guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like I'm pretty awesome, (laughs) right? I mean, we all kind of, you know, like, wait, I'm supposed to think of others as better than myself? But that's the reality. That's what we are called to as Christians, right? That, and if we have that sort of thinking, that sort of humility about who we are, then yeah, then we'll treat people the way they deserve or the way God wants us to. to. We'll show that love that God wants us to. But if I'm only focused on like, you know, if I'm like, man, I'm treating this person way better than they deserve and I'm so awesome. Like that's not a good attitude to have. That's not actually accomplishing the golden rule, right? Like, man, I'm way better than you, but here's a hamburger, right? Like whatever, like, I don't know why the hamburger thing today, but, but that's okay. Uh, But, but, but yeah, so like we need to think of others as better than ourselves. That's the kind of service that we should do right? That's the sort of honor and esteem that we should give other people, right? And that's, that's how we're going to true and genuinely be able to love them and show them the love of Jesus. So it's a heart issue. And then I like this as well. It says, verse four, don't only look out or, you know, don't, yeah, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others, right? To be considerate, to be compassionate, to be, you know, considering the needs that other people have, not just what's mine and what do I need, Right, imagine that's what that young slave girl, that young maid, that servant girl did. She could have just been like, hey, not my problem. That's his, that's his problem. Right? I'm just going to do my thing and eat my food and go to sleep and that's it. Like, it's not my business. So check out verse 14 with Naaman. It says, so Naaman, right, he listens to his, his friends, his subordinates there. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. And that's that's pretty awesome. The blessing that God had for Naaman required him to humble himself. Right? Because Naaman showed up, in the next verse it says that he had a party with him. Right? Naaman showed up with all of those horses and chariots, right? He showed up to the door of Elisha. He had all that gold and everything. And Naaman had to probably take off that real fancy armor he had and go bathe in that river, that dirty river by his standards in front of his friends and humble himself in order to get that blessing that God had for him, right? That the the, the healing that God was doing was deeper than Just skin deep. Man, man, why didn't I write that in my sermon? That's such a good idea. Man, that's awesome, right? Because leprosy is a skin disease. I'm sorry, like I'm just preaching right now. I'm getting ideas as they come. The healing that happened was more than just skin deep. Come on, I can preach to me too on Sunday. God wants to bless me too, right? The healing was deeper than just skin deep because God was also interested in healing his heart of this pride issue that he had, right? God wanted to reach Naaman's heart And it required him to be humble And I want to point out that you might think it foolish The way the bible describes salvation Right this idea that jesus died on a cross and I get forgiven By him like I have to humble myself admit my faults to him confess that I need a savior To jesus right and just admit that like I can't earn this on my own I can't just like do enough good to earn my way to heaven to earn god's favor, right? Like you might think like that's foolish The bible actually even says that that the the cross is a, a stumbling block to those who are jewish and it's foolishness to the greek right? right, they're like this that's Lame, right? Like your god Is so powerful, but he died as a criminal Right, like and i'm supposed to believe that and that somehow changes my life like that doesn't make sense But I want to point out that it's in humbling ourselves that we can receive the blessing of salvation, the forgiveness that God has, the eternal life that he has for us, right? That that it's in humbling ourselves. The the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? Like as long as our pride is standing in the way, we might, right, be at a point of of refusing some of the blessings that God has for us. And in in Naaman's case, right, he did this in front of all of his crew. And I don't think God's interested in, in embarrassing you Right god's not interested in embarrassing you necessarily in front of everybody But god might have an intent on healing you in front of everybody God might want to to have your story and his intervention in your life Be something that's on display for others to see his goodness and his love Right for them to get beyond the point of maybe god's not just some distant far off dude But he is interested in being in in my life just like he showed up in yours or that God might be interested in healing you in front of everybody. So check out what Naaman does. He's, he's still trying to hold on to some of his pride, I think. Verse 15 says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, and they stood before him. And Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. So Naaman's like, Hey, like, so what do I owe you? Right, like, what, what? Like, what's the amount? Just tell me. Like, I've got all this gold. I've got, I've got some shirts. Do you like shirts? Right, like, here's some silver. Right, like, what do I owe you? And, and the idea is that we can't bribe God. We can't right pay for a healing. Right, we can't uh, we can't like make a donation to the church and like say, God, just bless this lottery ticket. Right, hey, you and me, I helped you out. You helped me out. Right, like we can't like outgive God somehow. This isn't a means for us to to hold on to that sort of pride like Naaman's doing. Verse 16, but Elisha replied, he says, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. So I want to point out that this would have allowed Naaman to kind of walk away and just be like, hey, yeah, look at this healing I got. And let me tell you what I paid for it. Did I tell you how large my caravan was? Did I tell you how many chariots I had like man, it's awesome, right? Like look at what I was driving on the way down Right, like, like like it would have been a means for him to walk away with some amount of pride But that's not what god was interested in doing the the gifts that god gives Jesus told his disciples freely you have received so freely give right god just wants to bless people Right, that's what god wants to do. So it was an issue of pride So so let's ask a question because i'm sure right maybe some of us will have it so so If this happened in the Bible, if Elisha refused the gift, then why do churches take an offering? Why do they receive money, right? Like, shouldn't they be like, no, no, right? Like, I mean, like, hey, legitimate question, right? And like I said, in this instance, uh, yeah, I think God was working on this pride issue in Naaman. But at the same time, Elisha, the same prophet earlier, God actually told him to go to a widow's house and say, hey, this is during a time of famine, hey, make me some bread. And she's like, listen, the only food I have left is, like, I was going to make a cake for me and my son to eat, and then we were going to die. Like, this is our last food. And he's like, no, 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 uh, but first, could you make me some bread? Right? Like, how, whoa, like, how conceited is that? Like, wait a minute, this is her last meal, and you are expecting her to give you some? But that's what God led him to do. And, and the idea is that God wants us to give so that he can bless us through that, to, to rid our own hearts of, of even greed per se, right? So that we're not loving money more than we love God and, and that God wants us to give. So even in terms of in the Bible, the, it talks about the idea of, of, right, giving to meet the needs of the gospel to go forth, right? Giving to a church, giving to missionaries to see the good news spread out, Right, that that's what we want to see. The Bible talks about that idea, right? That we should lay up our treasures in heaven, as Jesus said, right? So we're not just, you know, kind of clinging on to everything we got, but, but that we can have our hearts set free as we're generous, right? And, and just so you know, the Bible also does talk about that, right? Giving to the church to, to meet the needs of the saints as well as to provide for those who teach. But I always feel weird saying that because it looks self-ser- self-serving. But, but yeah, don't worry. We're not after your money. You do what God wants you to do. Right you pray about what god wants you to give and you just be faithful to that And give where god leads you to give but this is the idea is that right god wasn't going to allow naaman To pay for his healing God wants to heal you god wants to save you when he does it for for free Okay, uh, and then verse 17. Let's let's finish this little story here. I'm doing good on time here Then naaman said all right, but please allow me to load Uh two of my mules with earth from this place and I will take it back home with me. That's kind of weird, uh We'll we'll keep reading for a second. It says, "'From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings "'or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord.'" So whether he was like, hey, maybe I'll take like this souvenir of my healing, I don't know, or if he was going to take that earth and make an altar to make sacrifices unto the Lord, I don't know. Uh, Some people just, you know, the idea of like holy ground or whatever, there's commentaries said different things, but I don't think that's the big picture. The big picture is Naaman encountered the God who loved him, who blessed him, who reached his heart, even though it was full of pride, right, that Naaman recognized that God's in charge and he's like, listen... God deserves my commitment and my faithfulness. And then uh, he does have this one exception. He says, however, <coughs> may the Lord pardon me in this one thing when my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Ramon to worship there and leans on my arm. So it sounds like the king's probably this older guy and Naaman's going to be helping him out. <coughs> he says, and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Right? He's like, hey, I'm going to be helping this guy. He's going to be worshiping his god and like i've got to help him down i'm going to be bowing But lord, let it be known my heart is not bowing to this false god. I'm going to be serving you I know you're the only true and real god And elisha says yeah go in peace and naaman started home again so So I think there's a lot of different kind of themes that we see throughout This story the story continues you can read some more about naaman and elisha's got this greedy servant that happens after that second Kings 5 if you want to check it out But I want to uh, think about us all right. Think about us for a minute. When Jesus asks us to do something, will we only obey him when it fits in our little box? Will we only do things that he asks us to do when it makes us look good? Right. When he, when he asks us to do something, are, are we going to refuse? Right. Well, God, I, yeah, sure. I'll love my neighbor, but, but not that neighbor though. Like not them. They, they don't deserve your love. No. No, I don't know. No, maybe you, uh, Lord, make them move away. Like, actually, yeah, pray, I pray that, yeah, they'll just move away from here. I don't want to live next to them anymore. Right? But, but no, that, like, God wants us to love people. And one of the things that we need to realize is that God wants us to do the most important thing, which is sharing his love, spreading the message of salvation, by sometimes doing what seems least important or serving those who we do not esteem, or loving those who we do not think are significant. Right? That we are not just looking to build a church of people who have reputation like Naaman. Right? We're, we're going to be looking for people of all walks of life. That the early church was made up of people who were slaves and centurions and tax collectors and farmers and fishermen. It was made up of all sorts of people across the cultural spectrum Yet all of them in church, everyone comes before Jesus equal in the house of God. And that God in his wisdom, right, wants to give gifts to the people of the church. That the church isn't not about like a set number of all-star team members or anything like that. God wants to use all of us, right? God wants to work through all of us. And the blessings that he has in our lives sometimes will be found in people that we don't think are all that impressive. Or the people that Jesus asks us to serve will be people that we might think we're better than. But the idea is that we got we to gotta think that they are more important than we are. So when it comes to, right, sharing his love, spreading the message, right, we're looking for everybody. Right, we're looking for the people that are like the town mar- manager, the police officer, the firefighter, as well as, right, the heroin addict. Right, we, w- we want everybody to know the love of Jesus. Right? All are equally important to God. God is in love with all of us And god wants us to be known and none of us are better than one another anyway So as the worship team comes up (coughs) I just want to point that out that if we are going to effectively reach this valley We got to set aside our preferences our prejudices, right? We got to set aside kind of the way we think god would work And be willing to do the things that he asks us to do no matter how humbling It requires us to get Right? That we need to kind of set aside our egos and be willing to serve others as though they were Jesus. Yeah. Humble means being willing to, to set aside your pride, your ego, right? To think less of yourself, to do something that, right? Like humble would be like, you know, like if someone went to go scrub the toilet right now and they were willing to do that, that'd be a humble thing to do, right? Like I, I I don't think I'm better than this task, right? That's the idea. Yeah, You can scrub the toilet later if you want. It's good. We'll talk. We'll talk. But uh, check out Philippians chapter 2 again. I read from that verse earlier. But it keeps going. Okay? Check out verse 5. It says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So this is the idea. The Bible says, be like Jesus. Because Jesus had all of the power. Jesus had all of the authority. Jesus is one whose reputation will be the most famous, right? And yet Jesus was willing to humble himself to serve us. He said that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? That's what Jesus was like. And he was one who deserved credit and accommodation and all of that, but he was willing to serve us. And what's crazy is he did it while we were yet his, his enemies. So, so Jesus is who we want to be like. And I want to let you know that Jesus died on a cross for you to be set free, right? Jesus paid the penalty that we deserved because we were guilty for, for rebelling against God. And he did that on our behalf. So if that's something that you've never experienced, right? If you've never knew this about God, about how much he loves you, that's something that you can encounter and receive today. That's something that, right, other people in this room have done before, and that's something that you can do just between you and God. To say, God, right, I'm, I'm willing to humble myself before you, right? This might feel foolish. This might seem ridiculous, but I need you. I need a savior. Right? That's something that you can pray just between you and him. And just say, hey, God, I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong, forgive me. And just like Naaman did, I'm going to commit my life to, to serve you as best as I can, and I need you to help me there too. Right? That's a decision that you can make. And, and like I said, Naaman was a real guy. I don't want to only extrapolate the story to uh, principles, but God actually healed Naaman. And if you're interested in being prayed for at the end of the gathering, all right, the Bible talks about that, that God, right, his ultimate desire is that in heaven, there's no sickness. That's what the Bible says. And we pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if if you need prayer, if you're someone who's in distress, if you're going through some sort of situation, if you need healing, come up and talk to us and we'd be glad to pray with you. And you don't have to just find someone important. You can talk to any believer in Jesus and say, hey, would you pray with me? And that's something that they'll, I'll tell you, I'll make them, all right? They'll be willing to do it, okay, just so you're aware. But yeah, let's, all right, I'm, I'm like working my way to my seat. You guys are excited. You're like, man, is he going to be done talking yet, right? But here we go, all right, let's, let's, let's sing some songs. Let's sing some songs. God is worthy of our praise.